here it is. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, I'm Taylor Bybee from Coaster Studios, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is El Toro Ryan, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey guys, it's Logan from Coaster Kids, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. This is Marcus Lashock, the Roller Coaster Bureau Chief at WGN TV Studios in Chicago. You are listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and let us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Andrew Locke. This is Andrew, one of the executive producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you. And today I have a very special VIP guest that I'm very excited to talk to. Today's guest has been covering theme parks in the travel industry since 1992. He is considered an authority and expert on the entire amusement and theme park industry. His professional coverage of the industry has taken him to multiple continents around the globe. Featured regularly in USA Today, Trip Savvy, Fun World, CBS This Morning, CNBC, Coaster Radio, Season Pass Podcast, and many more. We are very proud to welcome to the Coaster Challenge Podcast, Arthur Labine. How are you doing, Arthur? Doing great. Looking forward to our conversation today. Awesome. Well, I've introduced you there and, you know, kind of talked a lot about what you do, you know, for, you know, professionally, you know, for a living and so forth. We'll talk more details about that later on here in this interview. But, you know, besides the intro, if you'd like to maybe add on anything I haven't mentioned to introduce yourself to our audience. I have been doing this, as you said, since 1992, and it's been an absolute joy. 30 years, uh, you can maybe tell by the gray hair, Andrew, that <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> I've racked up uh, quite a few miles on roller coasters and, and, and have written quite a bit about the industry that, that I absolutely love. And it's, it's just been a joy. Like many of the listeners of this podcast, I have this inexplicable passion for parks and for the amusement industry. Uh, I, I can't really explain why other than to say that it's, it's just something that I feel deeply about. And, and uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to um, sort of turn my passion into my vocation. And uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of my story. That's fantastic. I love it. And, you know, Arthur, I, as I was telling you before we started recording, I first kind of found out about you, you know, between USA Today and, you know, the polls and the stories that you write for them and the polls you're involved with, I should say. But uh, a little more um, more in depth is because of my uh, listening for what five six years now consistently every episode of the Coaster Radio podcast and you're an institution on there you're always part of the beginning of each season talking about all the excitement about the new rides coming out and you talk with Mike and Evie and you know I was thinking recently it'll be nice to have Arthur on here here in our second season of the Coaster Challenge podcast. We've been talking to, getting to talk to more people that are in the industry. Uh, for example, our uh, season opener uh, for season two was, uh, we had a great interview. I had it sat down and chatted with Jake Kilka from RMC and, you know, been talking to other ride manufacturers and uh, talked to Marcus Lashock here in season two, you know, I'm sure you know Marcus and, and, and you know, and Doug Barnes, you know, from season pass, et cetera. So just kind of talking to people that are a little more involved in the industry, not just enjoying it, which of course you do, but actually working in it. And part of why I, I like doing that is we have a, a wide audience and there's a number of young members of that audience, some of whom have been on the show, you know, teenagers, and I get messages from all the time saying, hey, Andrew, how can I travel like you have and been, go to all these parks? And, you know, like, how can I work in the industry to, to, to kind of get to be able to go to parks and do special things? And, you know, I am a professional engineer and that's how I've been able to travel. But someone like you that works in the industry, you know, that's the whole nother level. And so, you know, I'm glad to it'd be exciting to talk to you. And that's some of the questions I'll ask you about later. But um, but thank you for for sharing that additional information about your background and excited to talk to you. So sure. My pleasure. 
In the first half of uh, the interviews that we typically do with someone like yourself or professional, uh, the first half is uh, the theme park time machine and, um, and talking about your fear journey. And so again, we're going to go to the probably the best place to start, which is the beginning. Uh, and sometimes people have a hard time answering this because they don't remember. But if you could tell me at least the, the one you remember, the first coaster you remember riding, what was that? Well, I can tell you that among my very first memories, and, and I sincerely mean this, I'm talking about age one and a half, two, whenever, whenever people are able to have a memory that they can retain. I grew up in the Boston area. And uh, we have a wonderful place called Revere Beach, which is the country's first public beach. It kind of was the Boston area's answer to Coney Island. There used to be amusements that lined the, the beach. And I remember sitting on the beach and watching the Cyclone roller coaster endlessly, just hours on end. And I'm talking about from, from the time that I could sit up on the sand, uh, everybody would, would be facing the ocean and running in and out of the ocean and, and swimming and making sandcastles or whatever. And I would be facing the amusements and watching the cyclone roller coaster, watching the double Ferris wheel, watching the tilt-a-whirl, watching the attractions. Simultaneously, I, I, I was fascinated by these things, but I was scared to death of that cyclone roller coaster. And I'm sad to say that I never actually got to ride it. Um, uh -oh. it, it, it has uh, since been uh, taken down, as have all the amusements at Revere Beach. Like many seaside amusement parks, uh, it it's, it's, uh, no longer has any amusements, unfortunately. Um, but I would say probably the first roller coaster that I can remember riding, I believe, was at Revere Beach, and it was the Wild Mouse. And uh, it took quite a bit of courage for me to get on that the first time. But I would say that the very first coaster, major coaster that I can recall riding, I, I know that I was 16 years old and it was at another beach, Salisbury Beach, which is on the New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts border. And uh, it was the Wildcat, the old wooden coaster that dates back to the 1920s there. And it was kind of on a deer. Even <laughs> at age 16, I was still terrified of, of wooden roller coasters and, and you know, what looked to me like impossibly wild, large roller coasters. But on a dare, I got on it and uh, loved it and have loved coasters ever since. So I would sort of qualify that as my first major roller coaster. Nice. Thank you. Well, thanks for sharing that journey, you know, kind of go from, from the what from the wild mouse to the, the you know the wildcat and you know I, I i have to say a little nostalgia there i'm from new jersey by the way so coney island was certainly a place i went to as a kid and as an adult i'll be going there this summer i love going there you know at least once every few years and the nostalgia factor is so high um you know but these beachside amusement parks they are becoming you know so uncommon and they're just disappearing and you know, I have fortunate enough to have lived near two of them that are still around. One is, of course, you know, the, the various conglomeration of the various little mini little parks that make up Coney Island because they're individually owned. But also, uh, I lived in California for years and lived near Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which is an absolute treasure. I'm assuming you've been there, right? I, I was able to get there once uh, a few years ago and, and loved it. Yeah, yeah, loved yeah, it. Yeah, such a treasure. So, okay, well, perhaps it's the wild mouse or perhaps the, the wildcat, uh, or maybe it's something you've ridden since now. Now, by the way, do you keep count or do you know approximately how many coasters you've ridden? I, I do not keep count. Um, I know that many okay. coaster fans do. For whatever reason, I do not. I have no idea how many coasters I've been on. I would venture a guess and say it's somewhere around 300 perhaps, but I'm not really sure. Sure, sure that's definitely a lot. Okay, so again, it might've been the, the wild mouse or, the, or the, uh, the wildcat or maybe something more recent, but what would you say is the coaster that before getting on it, you know, the anticipation, the anxiety was the highest, the fear was the highest, it scared you more than anything? I would say it's probably King Dakar at Six Flags Great Adventure um, okay. for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, looking at that thing, and of course, Top Thrill Dragster is 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 virtually identical. Um, right. It, it it's just insane, and um, and as crazy as it looks, it was as crazy to ride. And so I would say that that was probably. I, I would say there's two. King Dakar was one of them. The other one that still gets me to this day is x2 at six flags <laughs> mountain um you know not only is it yeah. quite tall and quite fast but you're going up the lift hill backwards you have no idea what's happening you're spinning around on the 
on the the, the axis alongside the uh, the track and I mean, you just don't know which end is up, and they play that wacky music before, <laughs> before mayhem ensues. So I would say th those are the two that have that have scared me the most. I uh, laugh there, Arthur, as you were answering my question, kind of giving that kind of part two answer of X2 because I knew it was coming. I just and not because of something you've said before this. I just I I was like, he's going to say X2, he's going to say, and there it was. And um, part of it, part of how that was like a really strong educated guess with me is, you know, we are here in our season two now, well into the season two. And in season one, we, we, we have an episode every week, we, every, all of our seasons, have, you know, every week. So we talked to about 50 people, roughly speaking, in season one and talked to even more here in season two so far. You know, so we're getting, the, you know, I don't know what we're up to now, 70, 80. But in any case, we see some trends, you know, the fears are going upside down, heights, speed, drops you know, which is kind of height related. And there are various coasters that are more common. In fact, we should start actually keeping tabs of this and have like a data on this, but Topple Dragster, King to Ka, X2, they are among the most commonly named and they and that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, and the way you describe it too, because I, you know, I have conquered my fear fundamentally. I, I, I am able to battle anxiety and stress in my life more better than I ever have because I've gone through this fear journey, but I've gone through one of the theories that I have in, from interviewing people in this podcast is that fear, while it's not a muscle, you know, the brain is not a muscle, but fighting fear, facing fear, it's like training muscles. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you're able to not even have any fear period before doing something. And I've really seen that with heights, with, of course, going upside down, speeds, and, and uh, you know, it's real big thrill seeker. And I think that's part of why a lot of your coaster enthusiasts or thrill seekers, as they get on these rides, it's hard to find something that really gets their adrenaline pumping, you know, where they're, you know, where they're scared of it because they're just so used to it. They've, they've been able to conquer their fears. And even though I've conquered my fear, the way you said it is the exact the way I feel about X2 is... I've been on all three of the Arrow 40s, two of which were built by SNS, you know, Dynacata, Junica, and, and X2. And they're basically the same design, but those coasters, I still get, you know, a little pit in my stomach because of that drop. That drop is the best drop ever on a coaster because you're just, you're flipped over facing straight down. There's nothing there and you're just, you're plummeting. <laughs> it's just so intense. Right. Um, yeah. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that perspective because I can relate to it. But so... You meant the first one you mentioned though was was King to Ka. So had you ridden Topple Dragster before King to Ka? No, no. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. So in terms of answering this next question, you can you know you can reflect on King to Ka and or X two. It really doesn't matter. But in terms of conquering these insane, still to this day, insane. You know, King to Ka is the tallest in the world, among the fastest. You know, X2 and all the Arrow 40 designs are among the most intense and the most, you know, one of the most insane first drops, et cetera. So how did conquering your fears and facing your fears and getting on those rides and not, you know, that's fight versus flight. You chose fight. You didn't flee. You know, flight is, of course, walking, you know, not getting on the queue or walking through to the exit. You obviously didn't do that. So reflect on how getting on these coasters, how did that impact your life? Well, I'm not sure how other people have answered this, Andrew, but I, I'd like to approach it. You've actually alluded to some of the things that I wanted to talk about, sure. which is, this fascinates me. It's a question that, that I often ask myself, what is it about coasters that I love? What is it about coasters that everybody loves or those who have been able to conquer their fears and get on them? Why do they love coasters? And You've, you've alluded to it, and, and I'd like to maybe just um, maybe uh, elaborate a bit on it. Sure, I, sure. That we are, as human beings, we're hardwired uh, to be hunter-gatherers. That's uh, yeah. We have this fight-flight response that you just mentioned. Yeah. And that's for a, a very real purpose. We're, we're supposed to be uh, out there hunting and gathering our food so that we can survive. Now that our meat comes shrink-wrapped in the grocery store, there's really no reason for us to do that. Um, so I think that we seek our thrills elsewhere. And one of those places is roller coasters. And um, 
even though we know rationally that they're totally safe, we've got the safety restraints and you know everything is fine, our body gets tricked into thinking that we're in, in, in great danger. And as you said, uh, we, uh, it, it invokes the fight or flight response, releasing adrenaline, re releasing dopamine and other hormones. Our, our heart rate increases, our blood pressure uh, increases, our pupils dilate, we're on the edge, sometimes we're shaking a bit. And all of these things, even for seasoned roller coaster veterans like us and many of the people who are listening, even if we've been on a particular ride 30, 40, 50 times, the 51st time, we're still going to get a sense of that. Yes. Uh, and I think at some level, we crave that because it's missing otherwise in our lives. And so we get that hit of dopamine, we get that hit of adrenaline, and we feel like we survived. You know, we were able to uh, escape the saber-toothed tiger chasing us. And that sense of survival, that sense of, of mastery, of, of conquering is addictive. It, it, just, it just makes us feel like heroes. And I think that that's partly why we love roller coasters. It's why I love roller coasters, I, I believe. And uh, as I said, I'm fascinated by this. There's other reasons I could get into, and, and you've mentioned some of those as well. Um, I think we love roller coasters because they're social, uh, because we're on there with a train load of other people and people in the station that are cheering us on. It's something we do together. Uh, and I think that's why we enjoy parks in general, because they're inherently social spaces. We're, we're hardwired to be social animals as well. Absolutely. Um, and also, I, I believe another reason is that it's virtually impossible to be anything other than in the moment yes. on a roller coaster. No yes. matter what's happening in your life, what stresses there may be, uh, no matter what's happening in the world, whether it's a pandemic or a, a, a war that's raging in Ukraine, when you're on a roller coaster, you're on a roller coaster and there's nothing else. You're just totally in the moment. And I think that that helps center us and helps us uh, just be more in tune with ourselves. And uh, so that's one of the, the other reasons why I think we love roller coasters. And, and finally, I'd like to say that in a world that is so divided, where we inevitably seem to want to fall into camps where there are red states and blue states, <laughs> parks are uh, a hopeful place where people of all stripes can join together where they can get on a roller coaster and together experience a sense of joy without having to point fingers at one another and uh, accuse people of being one or the other or not believing <laughs> what I believe. So that's one of the things that, that I really love about parks and about coasters as well. Uh, so for those reasons, that's why I love roller coasters, why I think other people love roller coasters. And, and that's the impact that they have had on my life. That's fantastic, Arthur. You know, we've you, you started off with answering that question. You said you're not sure how others have answered it. There are only so many themes that typically factor into how coasters and theme parks have possibly impacted our lives. But in terms of your answer, you were you know, so detailed there and, and you've really put a lot of thought into this. And I really appreciate that. I think more so than a, a lot of previous guests, nothing against them. Um, you know, I can tell you put a lot of thought and that's fantastic. And I would like to unpack a, some of the things you mentioned there. To start with, uh, the, just the last thing you mentioned about sort of alluding to politics and people having different beliefs there, you know, right versus left, red versus blue. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I have, you know, with the social aspect too, you mentioned kind of coupling that in. I've got so many friends that I've made because of being a coaster enthusiast, or as we affectionately have been calling it being a thusy. And I, you know, some of those friends are on the, on the right, some on the left, some in the middle, you know, different races and different ages and different, you know, it's different everything. And uh, it's fantastic because, you know, we'll, you know, we respect each other because we have this wonderful thing that we share in common that we enjoy together, you know, going to coaster events, or just being at parks together. You might've seen me smiling a little bit when you said that about the, the red versus the blue, because it was not, I don't think it was planned this way when David created our logo and it's gone through a few designs over the years, but the current one for the podcast is red and blue. Mm -hmm. And it's, it sort of covers the left and the right, you know, politically speaking. And that's kind of, you know, it's it purposely that we don't get into politics on this, on this podcast, but we also, at the same time, we welcome everyone from any point of view, you know, left versus right. And, you know, in age and race and, and we're a country, we've had an international guest. So I love that you mentioned that you also mentioned about, the, the kind of towards the beginning about the adrenaline, the dopamine, you know, the addictiveness of coasters. 
And, you know, there's things that people can get addicted to in life, food, drugs, alcohol, smoking. And a lot of those things can be bad, but at least with coasters and parks, you're being, you're get addicted to something that is overall very good for you. You know, it gives you these highs, if you will, you know, these natural releases of hormones and so forth and that are released when you're on thrill rides that people will go to and, and go on drugs and be addicted to drugs to get those sort of thoughts and feelings and, and senses. And that's very dangerous, of course. So, you know, I, I find a lot of coaster enthusiasts, they, you know, there's some that drink. I have some friends that drink, you know, very rarely are there drugs involved. And, you know, people usually live pretty upstanding lives of the of friends I have in the enthusiast community. And I think that's more than just a coincidence, you know, as you took the point that you made, uh, you know, it's just it's absolutely wonderful. Now, the other thing you mentioned, which I just love, just love that you mentioned this, is I, I have bipolar disorder. I've been through three clinical depressions in my life. Now, one of them was when I was very young. I was like a teenager still. Uh, the second one was just when I was starting to become an enthusiast. But the third one, I, I was an enthusiast and I was loved parks and I had been all over the world of riding coasters. And, but in that last depression, which happened about seven years ago, it was the worst of all three. And I, uh, it would last about a year and a half ish, roughly a little less than a year and a half. And I had all, all this time off of work because I was on leave because I couldn't work. And I, I was, I was ping ponging between depression and anxiety. A lot of us always do when we get into a depression, it, it decenters us. We can't stay centered. And I had all this time, I was living in Southern California. I could have gone to Magic Mountain and Disneyland. I still had passes, but because I was so bad and I didn't have the skills that I have now, the, the self-care toolkit, if you will, they call, I was in, I didn't go to parks that whole time, which is what I desperately needed, but I didn't know it then. I know it now. So when I dealt with a lot of stress in my personal life last year, I had that toolkit now and I, I went to parks and I made sure to get out and not feel sorry for myself at home with the stress I was dealing with. So, you know, when you said being centered, you know, where you're on a coaster, on a thrill ride, you can't help but be in the moment. That is the most important thing when you're in this depression, anxiety, ping pong, just dealing with stress in general in life. If you can distract yourself and just not worry about your problems, your problems are going to be there when you're done with the ride anyway. Just, just let them go for a bit, let for that three minutes on that coaster. And that coaster will help you do that. And isn't that amazing? And it's something we have fun doing too. This is all about theme park therapy. And I appreciate you kind of getting into some specifics there. And, and, and again, in a way that uh, a lot of our previous guests haven't gone to say that level of detail. So I appreciate your thought there, your commentary. Great. So going beyond, you know, facing fears and getting on these big coasters and, and how, you know, and all the analysis you just shared with us, you know, I think there's some you know, obvious, obvious answers here for in your case, but I don't want to speak for you, but how would you say that coasters and theme parks have had a significant positive impact on your life just in general? For all the reasons that I mentioned previously, I guess that just helping me find joy and helping me be in the moment. I know that like most people, I, I have uh, things that uh, make me stressed out and make me a little difficult perhaps to be around sometimes. And I know my wife will often say that whenever I visit a park, I seem to come back <laughs> remarkably in a, in a much better mood and remarkably more social and more just more pleasant and so she encourages me to go so i would say that it's it's just kind of helped me be a better person perhaps a better partner and uh i've, I've been able to find something that brings me great joy and 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 that's uh that that's something i think very important for people to uh, be able to identify in their lives that's fantastic. I love it. And that's a really good point. You know, and I don't think anyone's ever shared that. That's again, what we love about interviewing all the different people we interview when we, we very purposefully, we interview a wide swath of people. Like we talked about earlier, red, you know, red versus blue, who cares? Young to old. We've interviewed what 11 year olds, 12 year olds up to people in their sixties and beyond. And, you know, different backgrounds, different, different races, different, different jobs and different, you know, all over the place. And everyone has different advice, but I love that. And I personally can relate to that because uh, I also produce another podcast, uh, which is the Ace Ride With Us podcast, the official podcast for, for Ace, which of course, you know, Ace. And I, I am in charge of and very proud of a segment that I created for that show. It's a recurring segment where I interview, you know, different groups of people, um, but it's always more than one, you know, or, you know, different, different times. So they interview this family or the, this couple or these brothers. And I call it, it's, it's called Coasters Run in the Family. <laughs> and it's about, you know, again, siblings, 
mother, son, or mother, daughter, father, son, you know, different generations, even sometimes three generations, grandparents, parents, and children, and where they're coaster enthusiasts, and where they travel together, and they go to parks together. And these people, there's always something in common. They don't have perfect lives. Perfect doesn't exist. We're human beings. We're not perfect. But they have overall good lives. And I see this in friends of mine, even people I haven't interviewed for that segment I just mentioned. Uh, you know, a I know fathers and sons um, that have just tremendous relationships and positivity, uh, you know, or mothers and daughters or mothers and sons. But I, a couple that I can think of is you probably know the Coaster Kids. Have you heard of Coaster Kids, Arthur? I don't believe I have heard of Coaster Kids. Okay, well, that, that'd be an interesting uh, organization for you to talk to. But um, Jeff Joyner is the, and, and his son, Logan, are the founders of that organization. And Logan, uh, his story, he it had very severe, has very severe autism and getting into coasters and theme parks has basically transformed him, absolutely transformed him. And, but Jeff, you know, again, the, the dad and, and Logan and also the mom as well, she's not much as much involved in the theme park. They have just such a great family bond. There's a sister as well. And, uh, you know, and then another a guest of our podcast, a good friend of mine and David's in the show is a guy named Chuck Cole. And his son, they, the two of them, they go all over the world riding coasters. They have such a great bond together and just such a great amount of positivity. So when you said getting coming in from a park, your wife notices that you're in a better mood, you're doing better. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. And that's, again, we see that with these families that are, you know, at least one of them goes to the parks. Now, is your wife not really a parks fan, coaster fan? Well, she loves going to the parks with me. She is not yeah. a coaster fan. Okay. Uh, nor is my younger son. I'm kind of the outlier. Neither were my parents. So um, I, I do have two sons. My older son does love roller coasters and, and we, we do get to ride them together occasionally. And that's, that's wonderful. So no, my wife does not uh, typically like to ride thrill rides. She will ride dock rides and rides that are not thrilling, sure. but um but loves going to the parks nonetheless for everything else that they offer, the food, the ambiance, the theming, uh, the hotels, the pools, uh, et cetera. So, um, so we, we have a ball going to parks together. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, you don't have to be a thrill seeker, a coaster enthusiast. You can be afraid of coasters. I know, you know, people that love the parks that they're definitely afraid of coasters. They don't want to conquer that fear. Maybe they'll eventually choose to, maybe if they don't, that's totally fine. But they get joy from the parks. They get the immersion with the great theming, sure. you know, of a Universal or Disney or a highly themed park. You know, again, like you mentioned, the food, the shows, the other rides, the rides that tell stories that are slower, like a dark ride. You know, it doesn't matter if you're getting an escape from the craziness of reality of the real world. You know, whether it be a high speed thrill ride or a slow dark ride or a show or just enjoying the food, the the environment. You know, theme parks are inherently safe places which that is becoming increasingly important in the world we live in. You know, it's all great stuff. So, you know, it's, you know, your wife sees you, you know, having these thrill rides and, and when you come back from them, you're in a kind of in a better mood, you know, you're not, because you've gotten some stress relief and what else is going on in her life. And obviously she's enjoying the parks too in her own way. And that's all fantastic. And, you know, we're very fortunate that we have this hobby, you know, and all this positivity, all you know, positivity is what this is all about. So sure. well, thanks for sharing. So a couple more questions here, real quick questions before we talk about your professional life with theme parks and coasters. So I know you don't keep count and there's, that's totally fine. I know coaster enthusiasts, like full on, they call themselves enthusiasts and they just don't bother keeping track. And that's totally fine. So we, we've established you've probably been on hundreds of coasters. So there's a lot there. So what would you say is your favorite coaster you've been on up to this point? Well, I, I divided into different categories. Um, oh, sure, sure. So my favorite steel coaster is Superman the Ride at Six Flags New England. This may a bit of, be a bit of a parochial choice since I live here in Massachusetts, but I truly believe it's one of the best steel coasters out there. The pacing, the airtime, the location where it's it's along the river, uh, every everything about it is just just absolutely wonderful and. Every time I go on it, I think maybe there are other coasters that that might uh, take its place. And then I get off and say, nope, this is it. Nice. Uh, for wooden coasters, I would say it's El Toro at Six Flags Great Adventure, even though it's uh, a bit of a, um, not, not exactly a traditional wooden coaster, but it's uh, just an absolutely wonderful coaster. And then for hybrid coasters, 
this may be a bit surprising to people, but I would say Twisted Colossus at Magic Mountain, just the first time I went on that, I was just absolutely stunned. I don't think RMC is capable of making a bad roller coaster. Every single one of them is epic, but Twisted Colossus to me, just even though it's not the tallest, it's not the fastest, the fact that it has the twin lift hills, and especially when they're able to sync up per, uh, perfectly, that is when Twisted Colossus is, is at its very best and uh, absolutely love that ride. And then the final category I would say is, is, is kind of the themed storytelling coasters. Mm -hmm. And um, between Hagrid's and Velocicoaster, uh, I would have a tough time picking one. Uh, certainly Velocicoaster is the better uh, pure coaster experience um, and Hagrid's is probably the better storytelling one, but they're both just fabulous rides. So those would be my favorite. Excellent. I, I you know, and there's no wrong answer here, of course, this is opinion, but sure. uh, you know, I, I can relate. I would say I can relate to your answers. Now, Superman Ride of Steel, I've still not been to Six Flags New England. Oh, it's one of my, my holes. I need to get up there and I am planning to, perhaps even this year, uh, one of our other recent guests, uh, Tim Holleran, who's the president of Coaster Crew and also a good friend of mine here, he lives in Orlando. Um, he is from Massachusetts like you, and that is still his favorite, uh, you know, and, and so forth. So, and I, you know, it's, I, it's a great intimate coaster. I need to get on it, certainly, because it's, it's not getting any younger. <laughs> um, El Toro is one of my white whales because uh, Six Flags Great Adventure was my original home park growing up in New Jersey. Of course, that was long before it was built, but I've been back there several times since it was built. And it's always down when I'm there. I'm going to be going there this summer in August and it, it better be out. <laughs> so it's still a white whale, but I can't wait to get on it because I've heard so many good things. The so. ejector ear on El Toro is not to be believed. It's just, it's just insane. Just absolutely insane. That's amazing. And there's only a couple of the intimate prefab wooden coasters. As you mentioned, it's not a typical wooden coaster because of that. I've heard just such wonderful things. So I'm excited to get on that. You know, you mentioned also Hagrid's and Velocicoaster. And, you know, those are right here in my backyard. I live five minutes from Universal Orlando, and I feel very fortunate that I do. And those are uh, two of only three coasters in my top 10 that are here in Florida, the other being Iron Quasi. And, but when, I, when I'm at Universal Orlando, I just did this a few days ago. I was there for just a few hours in the evening. It's just Velocicoaster, Hagrid's, it's back and forth. You know, Velocicoaster is my number one. It's just an incredible experience. The theming, as you mentioned, the storytelling, but it's, it's the whole package. It's such a fun coaster. All of the launches and the layout and the airtime is insane. The most of the source rolls, the most incredible inversion that I've been on. Um, just love that ride so much. And then Hagrid's, like you said, it's more of the storytelling. So good at that. It is, I consider Hagrid's to be the best mine train stop coaster ever made because it's, you know, it's a terrain hugger. It doesn't have inversions and, you know, it's, it's that mine train style and it goes in even into a cave, you know, in the building and all that. And I just love it. It's so much fun. It just gives me so much joy. So I can, I can relate to those two as well. The other category I've already lost track was which one again? Hybrid, the Twisted Colossus. Hybrid, of course, Twisted Colossus. Thank you. So Twisted Colossus was, Magic Mountain was my home park for many years, living in California, in Southern California. I lived there as well. And Twisted Colossus for many years was my favorite RMC. And it, it took really Iron Quasi fundamentally. Like I said, there's no bad RMC. They're all great. Um, but Iron Quasi is just so insane. But I get it. When Twisted Colossus is dueling, which is somewhat rare because of, you know, the timing of things because it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, Mobius, and there's only one station and one, you know, one boarding track. Right. Uh, when it, when it does duel though, it's magical. It really yeah, absolutely. is. Absolutely. I can relate to that. So no, those are great answers. So, okay. So one more question kind of on the other end of the spectrum, uh, what would you say is your least favorite coaster that you've ever? I, I would say that there have been a couple of wooden coasters that were way, way past their prime that just <laughs> shook me to the core and not in a good way. One of them is no longer here, uh, Hurricane at Myrtle Beach Pavilion in, in uh, South Carolina it was just a miserable experience. And the other one is still here. I believe it's been retracted. It's probably not as bad as when I wrote it, but it's Predator at uh, Six Flags Darien Lake in New York just was not a good experience. And if RMC had been around in the days of Hurricane, 
uh, that would have been a perfect candidate to get the RMC treatment. Uh, and, and Predator, I need to get back there and maybe give it another chance, but it was pretty dang miserable the time that I wrote it. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, a lot of people, when they answer this question, it's usually wooden coasters, not always. And it makes sense because there's a fine line between, because wooden coasters, they're never going to be smooth. They're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be chaotic and just right. like a runaway train. But then if there's a difference being... between chaotic and painful, though. Yes, exactly. Chaotic, which can be fun. Right. Versus painful, which is, well, painful. And I, you know, when they get potholy and, and they just are not smooth and, you know, it, it's, yeah. So I can relate. I can definitely relate. So thank you. Those are good answers. Appreciate that. Okay. So let's switch gears for the last part of the interview here. A few more questions. What would you say have been your favorite places and parks that you've traveled to in an official capacity covering the industry? There are so many. And um, people are, are often ask me because of what I do, what is my favorite theme park? And I, I, I have a really hard time answering that because I love them all. I love Disneyland. If, if you had to put a gun to my head and say, look, you can only pick one. I would probably say Disneyland because it's the park that Walt Disney personally walked and created and set the template for what we now call theme parks. And, and there's just something really magical about the place. Um, but I also love Coney Island uh, for all yeah. its gritty charm and, and, and everything in between. I mean, I love Dollywood. I love Silver Dollar City. I love Shanghai Disneyland. I had the, the great opportunity to go there at, at, for its opening. I was able to follow the construction and the opening uh, and the evolution of Islands of Adventure. That was a, mm. a, a real thrill to be able to cover that as a journalist. So there, there were just so many. I, I could keep listing them, but really, I, I love them all. Those would be some of my favorites with probably Disneyland at the very top. That's great answers. I can relate. I've been to almost all those parks, including Shanghai Disney. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised, by the way, not, you know, not judging that when you had your storytelling category, you know, Hagrid's and, and Velocicoaster that Tron was mentioned in there because Tron's amazing. But it's, it's, I'm assuming Tron is, is ranks pretty high for you, right? Tron ranks very high. Yeah. But honestly, I, I, I believe that Hagrid's, in my estimation, just in terms of storytelling and in yes. terms of, you know, the themed elements I think that uh, Hagrid's does a better job. Uh, th there are some wonderful things about Tron and, and the folks who are going to get to experience it soon in Florida will will discover that it's it's really quite wonderful. But, you know, in terms of animatronics and different effects, uh, I, I think Hagrid's uh, has the edge. Yeah, it's um, I, I went to China in March of 2019. And then three months later, there's their opening weekend riding Hagrid's. And so I had I was able to re do a recent compare. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do rank Hagrid's higher as well for the reasons you mentioned very much. It can relate to that. But at the same time, you know, Tron is an incredible coaster. I, I consider it to be the best Disney coaster. Yeah, um, I, think, I think I'd agree with you on that. Yeah. And yeah, you and I have some similar tastes, I can tell here. Uh, and I, I've been telling this, I've said this in this podcast. You know, here I am in Orlando. I've got a lot of friends that live locally. I've got a lot of friends that have passes here, that come here a lot, even though they live here. And all those people and all the people come to visit, um, you don't know how lucky you are that Disney decided to build another Tron here in the United States because it's, you know, so much easier, especially in this day and age with COVID and everything else, um, traveling being a hack, it can be a hassle to be able to, you know, if you live here in the U.S., to be able to, you know, come and ride that incredible coaster. Uh, and I'm excited to get back on it myself again. You know, hopefully, I guess next year it probably will open. But but no, as far as the parks you mentioned, um, I've been to almost all of those. And yeah, those make a lot of sense to me. You know, a lot of, you mentioned a lot of highly themed parks or the nostalgia of like of Coney Island. And yeah, no, I totally get it. And yeah, I love Walt Disney World. They're 15 minutes away, the, the four parks here, plus the water parks. But having been an annual pass holder there, but also at Disneyland, for years, there is something unique and special and magical about Disneyland that isn't quite captured at Disney World. So I, I get what you were saying there. So thank you. So this may be a little bit easier question to answer, perhaps for you. Where have you not yet been to in terms of, say, where there are parks or parks that you have not been yet to that are like top your list, your bucket list parks, as we call them? I've been to 
almost all of the parks in the United States. There are a few that I've yet to visit that I hope to get to. One of them is Lagoon in, mm. uh, in Utah. Uh, there's a funky little park called Lakeside in Colorado that just looks like it has uh, just uh, in, in, just incredible charm, incredible vintage charm. And then there's this really odd park, um, Enchanted Forest in Oregon, that is is kind of a homemade park that was uh, sort of the vision of gentlemen out there that looks unlike any park I've ever seen. So that's a place I really want to get to. But most of the parks that are on my bucket list are in Europe. Sure. Um, I would love to get to visit Tivoli Gardens uh, in uh, in Copenhagen. And also uh, nearby is Bakken, the oldest existing theme park in, in the world built in uh, 1583. We talk about Disneyland being magical and and having such a sense of history and nostalgia, I can't imagine what Bakken must, must be like to walk the midway there. Uh, Europa Park in Germany, Efteling, Tokyo Disney Sea. These are the places that, uh, that I hope to get to someday. So I have quite a few that uh, I'm hoping to tick off. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I've been to a few of those, but many, for not surprised, I've not been to yet, but are up there on my list. Yeah, Europa Park is top up there with Fantasia Land for parks I've not been to. You will love Efteling. I've been there twice. Knowing, uh, getting, you know, having to sit down here with you today, getting your sense of your taste. Efteling is just a beautiful park, and it's just so charming. You meant and Disney Sea as well. Again, that the theming, it, it's just an incredible park, just gorgeous. You'll just be gawking walking around there. I was very lucky to have gone there. You mentioned Enchanted Forest, which I've not been to. A good friend of mine, actually, I was supposed to be hanging with him, with him and his wife this evening. Um, they run a company called Escape Visuals, and they do filming for parks, water parks, all sorts of hotels, all sorts of things. They've got all these red cameras, and they've got a, quite a filming setup that they do, very professional in the editing they do. And he was recently showing me, uh, they did a commercial for Enchanted Forest. In fact, I'll have to send you a link to it, because you'll just love it. The charm of that park is just incredible. And I've, I've never been there. I used to live in Washington, so I was like, should have gone there, but yeah. But anyway, some great, great parks there. Uh, some of which I am looking forward to getting to as well. Ones in Europe, you mentioned, for example, Lagoon as well. I've not been to, but yeah. So, I mean, that's the exciting thing about this hobby is there's always more parks to go to. And even if you've been to every single park, there's new attractions that open up, right. you know, and it's, it's, it's a constantly growing industry and involving industry. And that's one of the things that's great about it. So talked about places you've been to, places you've not been to. Have, have there been any favorite moments, you know, maybe, and it could be about parks or the, or the coasters or the rides that you covered, the attraction. Maybe it could have been the people that were involved or, you know, other people that, you know, you had, you know, in unique encounters. It could have been maybe even with your, with your family. Can you think of any favorite moments in covering the parks? There are so many. Uh, I've been so <laughs> blessed and I, I've been able to do things that I never would have thought would have been possible that I don't even know where to begin, but I'll, I'll give you a few. Just recently, I, I, I mentioned that I got a, had a chance to ride um, Iron Gwazi and I was the first person outside of the park or the manufacturer uh, to ride Iron Gwazi and got to write about it exclusively in the New York Post. So that was a real Oh, nice. And uh, I also had the, was the first person outside the company to ride Mako at, at SeaWorld and write about oh, wow. that for USA Today. I, I was a guest speaker uh, at Imagineering in, in California to talk about what I do and to talk about the industry. That was a real treat. And I also got to take a tour of Imagineering, had a, had a personal tour, and that was a thrill. Nice. Um, as, as I mentioned before, I was at the opening of Shanghai Disneyland, so that that was great. And I've got to do some really unusual things. We were talking about Coney Island, and uh, I'm friendly with the family that runs Dino's Wonder Wheel Park. Yes. And I had mentioned to them that it's always been a dream of mine to operate a roller coaster. I've always wanted <laughs> to be the person to give the thumbs up and press the button. And when they were opening Phoenix last year, they said, hey, why don't you come down and run the roller coaster? So I did. Um, and I, I got to write about that for USA Today. And my son, who's a filmmaker, got to uh, get some video of me running the roller coaster and, and acting like a, a, a 
just just a giddy little kid doing it. And so those are some of the things that uh, that that I've had the pleasure of doing. I've I've met some incredible people. Tony Baxter uh, from uh, the the Great Imagineer, Marty Sklar. Uh, got to interview these people. Um, Thierry Koo from Universal, all these wonderful people who have done some incredible things uh, in the industry. And um, I had the great fortune to sit down and talk with them and talk about what they do. And that's just some some of the things that I've been able to do uh, as part of my job, which uh, gives me just incredible joy. And uh, I, I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to do these things. That's fantastic. I mean, each, every one of those is amazing and awesome. And I love that. Yeah, I think you said even a couple of times there that you don't take it for granted. You feel very fortunate. You're very, you're clearly a very grounded down to earth person, which is, you know, I can relate to that. That's how I am. And, and I, and I tend to get along best with people like that. I love that you have that perspective. You're not like, you know, some people can get their egos boosted up, you know, by having done these things. And that's great that you're not like that. And, you know, along those lines for me, you know, I am, because of Coaster Challenge and a little because of Ace, but usually because of Coaster Challenge, I am on the media list representing the podcast. Uh, it's more and more parks and more and more organizations, haunts, as I love haunts and horror as well. Um, and I've gotten to have some unique experiences, not quite like you have, but, you know, the typical media day thing, you know, I'll write after you've written probably a few weeks later. Um, but, and I feel very fortunate for that. And, you know, and it's um, one of the things in life is, you know, be, we should be fortunate for what we have. And like, like I'm here right now, I'm not jealous of you. I'm, I'm just, I feel it's awesome that you've been able to experience this. And I'm just thankful for what I've been able to experience. And, you know, and now too many people in life, the jealousy and the one-upmanship. And it's just so, you know, if anything, I'm inspired by you that, you know, as we grow this podcast and we, we grow our movement, that maybe we'll get, I mean, I would love to interview Imagineers. We, we as David mentioned before we started recording here on the, on the today with you, uh, that we, in our first season, got to inter- interview a couple of very high-level uh, retired Disney executives, uh, Brad Rex and Lee Cockerell, and such great conversations. And, and again, we're just in our se- second season here. We're just getting started. I feel like that needs to be our motto now. But I'm looking forward to having more in-depth conversations with more and more people and getting deeper and deeper into the industry and understanding it, You know, getting into the people that create Imagineers, Universal Creative. You, you mentioned some of those. But I think that's awesome. And I love, love, love that you've had those experiences and that you are thankful for them and still are grounded by it. They're still grounded. That's, that's awesome. So uh, this question we ask of all of our guests, and you can think of this in terms of theme park therapy, facing fear, dealing with things like depression, anxiety, the negatives of life. Or you could also think of it, um, you know, for, for you, Arthur, we have, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of younger listeners we have a, a number of people, very impressionable people, younger audience, where they just would love to get involved in the industry or be able to travel and things like that. So whatever you'd like to share there, if you'd like to go that kind of the, the facing fear and dealing with mental, mental, you know, frustrations and depression, anxiety and stress, or, you know, maybe the, the whole being able to get involved and travel more, get involved in the industry as you have. If you want to share any nuggets, any advice for those that are listening. Well, I guess I'd say that people who have discovered your podcast, who have migrated to uh, Coaster Challenge, obviously they enjoy theme parks, enjoy the parks industry, and, and that's great. They probably uh, have uh, a similar passion that, that I have. Um, so you've already kind of found something that gives you great joy that, that, uh, in, in which you uh, have, in which you're passionate. And so I would say just kind of run with it. I mentioned earlier that my wife tells me often when I return from trips to parks that I just seem to be more grounded in a better place, happier. Uh, and it, listeners find that parks give them so much joy that uh, it helps them be better people and, and be better partners and be better friends and be better relatives, then indulge that. I mean, go visit the parks more. And uh, it's sort of, you, you found your happy place, so go visit it more and find your happiness. I would also encourage people, especially younger people who are fascinated by this industry as, as I am. I found my own sort of curious way to get involved with it by being a journalist. I've, I've always considered myself a, a, 
a pretty decent writer. And so this has sort of been my entree, but whatever it is that uh, you, uh, whatever strengths you find in your own life, whether it's engineering or whether it's uh, storytelling or whatever it may be, perhaps you, you might want to consider finding a, a career path in the industry, but approaching it from whatever strengths uh, you may have. And, you know, I think an awful lot of people in this world end up perhaps with jobs that they're not particularly happy about, but they're doing it because they have mortgages or have rent to pay or, you know, bills to pay. And uh, we all need to make money. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the way the world works. But you may as well be happy if you're kind of, as, as long as you need to make money, why not be happy at it? And if parks uh, are a place where, where you're happy, then maybe trying to find a career in the industry might be something worth pursuing. So those are a couple of things that I could say, I, I suppose. Thank you. Appreciate that, Arthur. And again, there's some really great positive advice, you know, one of which was just, you know, you've got this great hobby, you know, this positivity that you have in your life, just keep doing it, keep, keep doing what's great. And I uh, appreciate also you sharing the advice there about encouraging, again, our younger, more impressionable listeners that still have their whole lives ahead of them um, to, uh, you know, to ways to focus on getting more involved in the industry and maybe even having a job related to it or even tangential, like something like what I have or as an engineer. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. So the last thing that we always do. Uh, is, and this could be a little different for you because you know, we have a lot of enthusiasts that have YouTube channels and other podcasts, but you obviously cover things at a higher, different level, but whatever you'd like to share, where people can find you. you know, I, I think you, you do have a website. You know, If there's any social media, great, you want to share that. If not, no worries. So just how can people get exposed to what you do and, and, and so forth? Well, the easiest way is to, I'm not extremely active on Facebook, but um, I am on Facebook at About Theme Parks. That's A-B-O-U-T, Theme Parks. Likewise, uh, people can follow me on Twitter, which I'm much more active on, at About Theme Parks. Again, A-B-O-U-T. And my site where I post all of my writing or links to all of my writing is aboutthemeparks.net, N-E-T. Uh, so that, that, that would be the easiest way to find me. Right. And those are good central ways, like especially your website, to get to the articles you've written because there's so many different areas. And I'm assuming does the um, does your website also have links to when you've been on television, like you know, the CBS this morning, things like that? Your yes. appearances. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Awesome. And I'd like to also mention that by going to my website about themeparks.net, uh, it's very easy for people to uh, click and subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, and then they can get information about the stories that I'm working on sent directly to their to their inbox. So that would be another way to keep up on what I'm doing. Oh, that's great, Arthur. And I've been to your uh, website. That's how I was able to get get a, in contact with you. But I did not realize you have a newsletter. I'm definitely making a note right now. I'm definitely going to sign up for that newsletter. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank well, you. Arthur, I, you know, I know you're busy, very busy with all the things you get to do with parks and cover the parks. So I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today. It's been a great conversation. So our listeners are going to enjoy it here. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time. It's my pleasure, Andrew. And um, what a unique uh, topic you have and, and, and what a great uh, podcast you've been able to put together. It's my pleasure to participate in it. And I wish you well as you uh, continue to grow and, and, uh, and, and hope that you and David find great success. Thank you. Thank you. We're very proud of our mission. Appreciate you, that you appreciate it. So thanks again. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Coaster Challenge.